sorry I'm late. I've just come from a leaders' meeting at the church in Corinth. Um, We met to read Paul's latest letter. It just came to us. And I've got to say, it was about time that we heard from him. It's been a year since we last saw him. He came to sort out all that trouble with our sinner. I don't know if you've actually had a chance to speak to him or not yet. Uh, At the time, I've got to say, when he came to us, he seemed a bit heavy-handed to us, and it really didn't go well. Everyone was really hurt. Paul was really hurt. And he told us that he'd be back again soon. But he didn't come. He didn't bother to show up. All we got was that full-on letter six months later. Now, I'll admit that that letter did do some good. It really did serve as a bit of a wake-up call for us as a leadership team and for us here at the church, for the most of us who maybe could have done with a, you know, a bit of a kick up the backside when it came to that guy. And we're really glad that it's been resolved. But the thing is this. He said he was coming back, but he hasn't. What kind of a leader is that? He's only just now written to us, six months after that scorcher of a letter, a year after he was last here, to tell us that he's finally coming and why he's been so long. Look, I've got a copy of it here. I'll I'll just read it to you. I think a copy's been distributed as well. Uh, Look at uh, 123. This is Paul's reasoning. I call God as my witness that it was in order to spare you that I did not return to Corinth. Not that we lord it over your faith, but we work with you for your joy, because it is by faith you stand firm. So I made up my mind that I would not make another painful visit to you. For if I grieve you, who is left to make me glad but you whom I have grieved? I wrote as I did, that was the severe letter, so that when I came I should not be distressed by those who ought to make me rejoice. I had confidence in all of you that you would all share my joy. And, you know, of course... I can sort of see where he's coming from. But it still makes me wonder about him. I mean, don't get me wrong, I really like Paul. But he's not exactly the most reliable guy, is he? I mean, to be honest, I and some of the other elders, we wonder whether he's really cut out to take our church into the next generation, to really take our church further to where it's destined to be. See, to be honest, a lot of water has passed under the bridge since Paul was here. He was only here for 18 months, and that was four years ago. And we've been looking around for some other candidates to lead our church. In fact, that's one of the things we were discussing at our elders' meeting just then. We just had some of the CVs from the latest round of applicants come through. And I've got to say, they were pretty impressive guys. They were amazing. I mean, you should see these CVs. We really think these are the new wave, the future of ministry. Not just old-fashioned apostles, but the very latest up-to-date leaders. Super apostles. And we really think they're going to be the future of the church. None of this amateur business. These guys are professionals. To be honest, they absolutely charge through the nose. But let's face it, they wouldn't be able to charge that much if they weren't really good, would they? I mean, you pay peanuts, you get monkeys. And you should see their credentials. Letters of recommendation just absolutely coming out of their ears. And competent. I have never seen such independent, self-motivated, self-reliant ministers. And this letter that we've just been reading from Paul, it just goes to show you how out of touch he is ministry-wise. 
I mean, let me just give you three examples. Firstly, he's just too low-key. I mean, listen to this. Look at me at, uh, at chapter 2, verse 14. But thanks be to God, he says, who always leads us in triumphal procession in Christ and through us spreads everywhere the fragrance of the knowledge of him. For we held a God the aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and those who are perishing. To the one with the smell of death, to the other the fragrance of life. And who's equal to such a task? Well, probably not Paul. He's, I don't know if you know this, but uh, he's actually referring, when he talks about that triumphal procession, he's talking about when a Roman emperor had just won a war and he'd returned to Rome in a victorious procession with all the slaves and the captive leaders driven before him as he rides resplendent on a chariot behind him. I've actually seen one of these things. I was in Rome a few years ago. It was just amazing. And in fact, one of the applicants, when he came for an interview and he gave the practice sermon, actually used this as an example in his sermon. He said that his leadership would be like the emperor driving all before him. Now, Paul uses the same illustration, but he got it all backwards. He's not the emperor. He's one of the slaves coming into this triumphal procession. One of the smelly slaves with the aroma wafting all around the crowd as he goes through. No, Paul's got it all wrong. He seems to think that slaves make the best leaders. I mean, how does this cap it off for you? Look at verse 17. Unlike so many, we don't peddle the word of God for profit. On the contrary, in Christ we speak before God with sincerity like men sent from God. He hasn't even gone professional. He doesn't take a cent. I mean, honestly... How good can he really be if he can't even charge? I mean, it gets worse, though. The guy does not have one single qualification. He doesn't come with a single recommendation. And he, look, and he admits it. Look at verse three, chapter 3, verse 1. Are we beginning to commend ourselves again? Or do we need, like some people, letters of recommendation to you or from you? And listen to how he tries to justify it. Verse 2. You ourselves are our letter, written on our hearts, known and read by everybody. You show that you are a letter from Christ, the result of our ministry, written not with ink but with the spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone but on tablets of human hearts. He says that, what a lame excuse this is, he doesn't have letters of recommendation because we, the church at Corinth, are his letter. He seems to think he doesn't need qualifications, that the very fact a church even exists here because of his ministry, is enough to recommend him. I mean, of course he's right in some ways. I mean, before Paul came here, there was really nothing. But is that really going to move our church forward? Haven't we outgrown that? I just don't think that's where the future of ministry lies these days. No, the, the latest research shows that the best ministers, the ones who will grow your church will be the ones with PhDs, the ones who are on the speaking circuit, the ones who have a ministry named after them. Look, it's all very well to faithfully plug away at things, but it's just not going to work in today's world. And thirdly, and this maybe disturbs me the most, he's got a distressing lack of self-confidence. Look in verse 4. Such confidence as this is ours through Christ before God. Not that we're competent in ourselves to claim anything for ourselves, but our competence comes from God. He has made us competent as ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. 
but a letter kills. The spirit gives life. So he just doesn't seem to believe in himself. He says he hasn't, doesn't have any confidence in himself. He just keeps running himself down, saying his competence only comes from God. You know, to be honest, in the rough and tumble of ministry, I wonder how a guy like that is really going to bear up. And don't get me wrong, we love Paul. He's a good guy. It's just he's, well, he's a bit out of date. He's a bit amateur. He's a bit underqualified. And he's just too much of a mouse. Although, uh, one of the things that one of the elders said at the meeting did get me thinking. Well, I don't know how much to make of this or not. We'll have to talk about it at another meeting. But he did point out this. That when we look at Paul and when we look at the new applicants, Paul does seem to be a little bit more like Jesus than the other guys. So it's funny, you know, when he's kind of describing himself in the imperial procession, he puts himself in the smelly slave section. But look at that verse 14 again, it's weird. But thanks be to God, who always leads us in triumphal procession in Christ and through us spreads everywhere the fragrance of the knowledge of him. You see, Paul's in the slave section, but he says that's where Jesus is too. And I suppose when I think about it, that does actually seem to be a bit more like Jesus. The slaves and the outcasts seem to be maybe more the kind of people he was spending time with. He did seem to spend a lot more time serving than being served. And he didn't really seem to think of ministry as much of a career path, a way to make his way up a ladder or earn a lot of money. I wonder if that's actually what makes Paul maybe so suspicious about the super apostles. The fact that they seem to be maybe all that concerned about fame and money and not so much about service. I don't know. And and you now actually think about it, it's kind of the same with his credentials as well, isn't it? You see, because when he says that we're his letter of recommendation, he says who that letter of recommendation is from. You can see it there in 3 verse 3. You show that you're a letter, he means us, from Christ, the result of our ministry. You see, we got any number of very famous pastors recommending these applicants, but we didn't get any from Jesus. And yet here he's saying that we, the church, are a letter from Jesus himself. The proof that what Paul is saying is what Jesus is saying. It's funny, he he doesn't really talk much about letters at all, Paul. In fact, the only writing he seems to talk about is this stuff about tablets of human hearts. How it seems to be in a change that actually makes a church successful, not necessarily bums on seats. But thirdly, he even says this about his confidence. He says that his confidence comes through Christ. Look at verse 4. Such confidence as this is ours through Christ before God. You know, actually, when I think about it, I wonder if that's why Paul, in the rest of this letter, I'm sure you'll come to it soon, was so willing to talk so much about his weaknesses. It's almost as if he's just given up entirely upon himself and just handed all his failures and all his successes over to Jesus. I mean, I, I can actually see how that might actually go quite well when things are going badly. I wonder how the super apostles cope when they hit a sitback. 
when they preach a sermon, when they have a bad day, when their self-confidence is rocked. And because for them it's all about them, they must be crushed. I wonder how they keep going in ministry. At least I can see how Paul keeps going. I don't know, maybe we as an eldership have maybe been a little bit too hasty with these interviews. Maybe we need to think a little bit more about confidence in a minister and professionalism and snazziness. If you'll excuse me, I, I might actually just head back there now and see if we can still keep that meeting going.